to kind of get you up. Some of you guys are visiting with us today with the baptism and stuff. But, but just to kind of get you caught up a little bit. Over the past few weeks, and still for the next couple of weeks, and we're looking at this passage in Hebrews uh, that many have described as the Hall of Fame of Faith. Um, this section is, is where we are pointed at, at, at several ordinary people who God has used to do extraordinary things. And he did this only through their faith. So just a little recap. Last week, Jared started us out by talking about Abraham. And he used kind of a GPS as an illustration how, how uh, God unveiled what Abraham was called to do step by step. A lot like how uh, our GPS gives us direction. You know, next, left, take a left. And so uh, uh, maybe you, you were here and you remember that. And, and, and the whole time he's talking, I've got to admit, I was thinking about my GPS. Um, see, I use Waze, and, and some of you guys are familiar with that, and I like it mainly because it tells you where the cops are. Um, <laughs> But, but, but you also, there's a programming feature that you can do, and so I program mine in my wife's voice. And so she gets to tell me how to turn and where. And I'm tuned in, you know? I'm like, yep, yeah, telling me what to do right there. But, but he talked about how God was revealing this step by step, from strength to strength, what he wanted from Abraham. And he didn't give him this big picture, but he just gave him one opportunity at another. And so I look back and I think about my short time here and the way God has led me into a new thing. And I think about how he takes the natural and he does something miraculous and there's something supernatural that comes from it. Over the past few months, I've learned a lot. But one thing I keep getting reminded of, and it's not been easy for me, but it's what is the main thing. As I was growing up, I had a real good friend, and he'd say, we've just got to keep the main thing the main thing. And so for us here today, the main thing is always going to be is how is our heart toward Jesus Christ? And so in my short 48 years of life, um, uh, I've learned that it's easy to make something else the main thing. It could be our job. It could, it could be our children. It could be our calendar, our social status, maybe money. It can even be what we're doing at church, a ministry. We could put it in front of our devotion to God. So, so it's easy to, to, to make something else the main thing of our life. Well, we see this unfold in a story in the Bible. It's the story of the rich young ruler. And, and, and this boy, this rich young ruler... Um, he comes to Jesus and he asks him, what does it take to gain eternal life? And, and, and Jesus, he goes down this list of rules and he says, you know the commandments. Don't murder, don't commit adultery, don't steal, don't give false testimonies, don't defraud, honor your father and mother. And, and then he says to him, teacher, I've done all these things. Even from when I was little, I have done these things. And so Jesus looked at him and he showed him love. I love it when Jesus shows us love. But, but he said to him, there's one thing you lack. Go and sell all your possessions. Give it to the poor. Then you'll have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. 
See, Jesus was saying, you've got to find your main thing. And your main thing has to be Jesus. He watched as he went away sad because the main thing had, had, had become his stuff. And, and even today, we can find ourselves in a similar situation. And, and maybe it's not money or possessions, but it could be, it could be a lot of things. I mean, it could be, uh, uh, what are people going to think when they find out that this has happened? What are people going to think if they know that our life is really this? And so we build these facades and we try to hide behind these walls and we try to put out this, this false persona that life is perfect when each time the door is closed or the lights are off, we are crumbling inside. And we start off by saying, um, uh, I needed this today to hear this. Um, the disciples come to Jesus and they ask, if he can't go to heaven, I mean, if he's not getting salvation, this guy that's checked all the boxes, if he's not going to get, then who can? Who can? We don't stand a chance. Who can? And Jesus said, the things that are impossible for man are possible for God. I could use a little bit of impossible in my life this morning. Jesus said, I come to give you life but not just some ordinary humdrum, walk-around kind of life. He said, I come to give you life abundant. Uh, I, I come uh, uh, so, so that you could live. You don't have to carry this stuff around. You don't have to try to impress people. You don't have to try to impress Jesus. You don't have to do that uh, because he has a purpose for each of us. And when we live our lives into that purpose, then things change. The temporary doesn't matter anymore. We begin to focus on eternal things. So that brings us to today's scripture. I knew we'd get there. Just hang in. In my head, all this makes sense, you know. But Hebrews 11 says this. It was by faith that Abraham offered Isaac as a sacrifice. When God was testing him, Abraham, who had received God's promises, was ready to sacrifice his only son, Isaac, even though God had told him, Isaac is the son through whom your descendants will be counted. Abraham reasoned that if Isaac died, God was able to bring him back to life again. And in a sense, Abraham did receive his son back from the dead. And so this is just a little snapshot, you know, how, uh, like a Facebook post almost of what happened uh, in this story. So I want us to, to step back, and, and, and if you're trying to study the New Testament, one of the greatest commentaries you'll ever have on the New Testament is the Old Testament. See, um, uh, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was God, and the Word was with God. So Jesus was in the beginning and he walks all the way through to that final victory. And so let's look at this Old Testament story. And it is in, it's found in Genesis 22. And it's going to help us understand this. And it's a long story, but it's a good story. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain that I will show you. 
So early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place that God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and he saw the place in a distance. He said to his servant, stay here with a donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you by faith. See, he knew God had made a promise. And he knew God wasn't going to fail. And he said, we're going to go over here. I know I'm supposed to go sacrifice him. But we, I don't know how, we are going to come back. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac. And he himself carried the fire and a knife. As the two of them went together, Isaac spoke up and he said, Father, yes, my son, the fire and the wood are here. But where's the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answers, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering. And the two of them went on together. And when they reached the place that God had told them about, Abraham built the altar there and he arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. He reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But an angel of the Lord called out from heaven. Abraham, Abraham. Here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham looked up and there in the thicket he saw a ram and it was caught by its horns. He went over and he took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place the Lord will provide. And even to this day it is said, on that mountain the Lord has provided. Man, that's a lot. I mean, this is one of the hardest passages for me to kind of dig through in the Bible. It's hard for me to reconcile in my head what God is up to. I do have an advantage of looking back on it. So I get a bigger picture than what Abraham had. But can you imagine what he's going through? The emotion, the turmoil, there's just the, all this. Oh, my goodness. What, what, what do you mean, God? I mean, I thought Isaac was the promised son, you know. And this is the one that all my other promises are supposed to be fulfilled through him. What is happening is this is a test. Uh, and so, so God has put Abraham into this test. I'm reminded uh, of an event that took place in my life. Just a few years ago, well, it's getting to be more. I guess time speeds up as you get a little bit older. But, uh, but, but it's just a few years ago, and it changed, it literally changed my life. Um, I was on the couch at my house, and I was watching a basketball game, and, and I think uh, uh, I had to coach a Little League game later that day, and we had an awesome team, and I loved it. One of the most fun things I got to do, one of the kids said, I asked him at first practice, I was like, guys, you know what it takes to win the game? Little boy said, my dad says defense wins. I said, he's wrong. Most points. <laughs> Shoot the ball. And we had fun, so... Um, but, but I was getting ready to go do that, and I remember sitting there on my couch, and I started to feel bad. And, and, and the longer I sat, the worse I was beginning to feel. And, and finally, I got to this point um, to where, where I went and told my wife, I, I, 
I feel bad. I think I need to go to the hospital. Now, she's used to me looking bad, but this was a different thing. And so all this led me to have a heart surgery, and then I had to have a stress test. You know, uh, uh, they, they had a stress test where they could see uh, my issues. Well, not my issues, but my heart issues. I got a lot of issues, but then I got heart issues, right? Uh, and, and so they wanted to diagnose what was going on with me. So they take me to this room. And inside this room is a treadmill. And, and, and they put you on this treadmill, and, and, and she's telling me how this thing works. She said, I'm going to put you on this treadmill, and we're going to turn up the speed, and we're going to raise the incline on it until your heart reaches this maximum level. I'm like, okay. And she said, looking at you, about three minutes. <laughs> kind of took that personal. So it was with a deep determination that I blew her estimate out of the water. Almost five minutes. Uh, I, my athletic prowess pulled me through. Uh, but I got on a treadmill, and, and I did that, you know. And, and I, 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 I tell you that story to, to say this. The doctors ordered this test to see how my heart would react in an adverse situation. And, and the only way to do this was to put me in a situation that would push me literally to the edge. They wanted to stretch me as far as I could go. And I remember thinking probably about halfway through that, I can't do this. I really can't. I want to quit. Is there another way I can't do this? I can't go on. And it was hard. But the doctors used this test to determine how they were going to save my life and what I needed to have done to be able to continue to live a full life. Now, our lives, our spiritual lives, are often like a stress test. Uh, we keep going and going, and the situations keep getting harder and harder. And, and some of us here right now have been to points that we say that we just don't want to go on anymore. But we find a way. And God uses that to build us, to make us better, to make us stronger for the next situation. And to also reach out into a community, to a people, to a person who's going through similar situations, who's experiencing those kind of pains, those kind of uh, uh, things. Just like Abraham. God pushes him to the limit. Uh, and, and those situations often cause us to ask why. Why, God? Why would you do this to me? Why would you let this happen? And, and so I think there's a couple of things that we can pull from this passage to help us kind of cipher through and, and figure out uh, uh, what, it's, you know, what happens when we're pushed to the limit in this kind of spiritual test. One of the first things uh, that I see is God is the one that put him to the test. It's not the devil. It's not an enemy. It's not the adversary. It's not any kind of those kind of things. Um, uh, um, it, it, it is God. He's literally putting his child to this test. We have to understand that a test is different than a tempt. You see, Satan tempts God's test. 
in James, we see that, that God never uses temptations. It's just against his character. It's against the very moral fabric of who he is. He will never tempt us. But Satan, he uses temptations to destroy us. He loves to destroy our families. He loves to destroy our motivation. But most importantly, he loves to destroy our walk with Christ. And so he does that. But God used tests to develop our faith. And here it's very clear that God is putting him to this test. So maybe you're like me and you're wondering, is God wanting to see if Abraham really believed? No. He already knew. See, he's the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning, the end. He already knew what was going to happen. He knew how Abraham would react. He didn't do this to find out if Abraham had the faith. So why did he do it? He did it to show Abraham that he had faith. He wanted Abraham to see that, that, that he had this kind of faith and that he could do it. And so we can see these kind of tests in Peter and the other disciples all through the book of Acts. They go through these, these hard times and, and, and these, these tests, and, and, and they're done in amazing ways. But now here's a word of warning. A test will usually come after a period of calm. See, Abraham, uh, uh, he, he, had, he had his son, and so he had settled down. He had kind of wandered around a little bit, but he had settled down. He planted a tree, and he's like, this is where I'm going to be for a while. And I want to watch this tree grow. And so he had his son. Uh, he, he had his house, and, and there was this period of peace, and, and everything was just going well. And so if you find yourself in this peaceful period, be ready, because you could be on the brink of a test. See, God takes our comfort and he moves us into something uncomfortable um, so we can grow. This test of Abraham is probably the hardest test any person could ever take. Um, think about it. I mean, he had waited years and years. He'd wanted a son so bad. And after years and years of just crying out to God and after basically giving up on the thoughts of ever having a son, and, and then one day you get him. And, and then, you know, a lot of estimates, they really don't know how old he was. I imagine maybe early teenage years, something like that. Uh, it, it's what a lot of them, uh, the theologians, would tell you. But could you imagine 12, 13, 15 years of playing with your son? Uh, teaching them, give them a noogie, you know, uh, doing all the things, teaching, and, and, and more importantly, remembering all the promises that God has said is going to come through him. And then one day, um, God's saying, go sacrifice him. This wasn't an uncommon practice, um, to sacrifice a child. See, the followers of the Canaanite gods, like Baal, uh, they would do this pretty often. They would, they would sacrifice their children just to prove their allegiance uh, to their God. And so it was kind of common in this day. So maybe we're thinking, man, that's kind of barbaric, you know, just to kill a child. Well, here in this country today, we're entering into and we're kind of in the middle of a conversation about abortion. And this is not a political statement. But this is what I'm going to tell you, that estimates have said that one-third of the child population has been aborted each year. So let's not be quick to jump at Abraham for following God's call. Sometimes when we're tested, it don't make sense to us. 
All we have is this earthly human mind. But God sees this big picture, and he knows how this is going to work out. And he knows what's going to come out of it. But us, we can't even see what's right in front of us in most days. We may never know. We may never understand what's going on and what it's all about. You ever seen Needlepoint? I had an Aunt Marie one time. She moved. She lived in Canton, Ohio, and we'd go up and see her, you know, in the summer and in the winter. And then she moved to Elkhorn City, uh, and we would go up there and, and spend time with her, and I loved her uh, dearly. And, and she loved to needlepoint, and she would take these hoops, you know, and she would do things all the time. And, and, and um, if you've never seen needlepoint, you know, it's just they would... They would uh, do it, and you see a beautiful picture. It's been carefully put together by the creator to make this image, and when it's complete, it's beautiful. And, and so we'd go over there, and, and, and somehow, you know, I was taller, and I wasn't afraid to stand in a chair, so she would get me to take these things off the wall so she could clean them, right? Have you ever seen the back of one? It's a mess, Right? I mean, it's a chaotic, man. frayed ends, knots, cut thread everywhere. Uh, there's no picture. It doesn't make sense, you know. Listen, God's creating a beautiful picture out of our life. And, and, and we look up and all we see are frayed ends and knots, tangles, messes. Makes no sense to us. It, it makes no picture for us. It looks like a mess. Look at me. I'm a mess. But it takes that to create what's on the other side. You with me? Our tests often don't make sense to us. But, but it makes perfect sense to God. And we may never figure it out. It's in these times that we just have to trust God. My wife reminded me yesterday, we, were, we, we had a yard sale and stuff the other day, and we were taking stuff to donate at the market. And, and she, she just said this, and I thought, man, I'm going to have to go back and change my sermon now, you know. Uh, what, what she said was, you can't get a message without a mess. And you won't have a testimony until you've been through a test. Anybody else in a mess? Anybody else going through a test? Is it just me? I want to tell you what happened to me on Friday. This is just Friday, just a couple of days ago, and I can't shake it out of my head. We had a yard sale at my house, and we did it to raise money for the youth group. Going on this trip, and we just wanted some cash to be able to give tips as we go. And, and, and so we did that. And so in the middle of the day, this girl pulls up, and we talk. Um, one of my favorite things about a yard sale is meeting new people and having conversation with them to where my wife gives a firm amen. You know, I love to talk to people and I like to find out about their life. But, but, but while we were talking, I told her why we were having this yard sale. We're doing it to raise money for a mission trip that we're going on with our youth group. And, and she said, that's awesome. And she started telling me about where she goes to church and, and what it means to her and, and, and the people that have come around her in her life and, and how important that is to her. And so she asked, what, what group is it you're doing it for? And I said, New Beginnings. And she kind of stopped, and she looked me dead in the eye, and she said, this place changed my life. And I'm kind of new here, and I know a few of you, so I got nervous, right? 
She said, my life used to be different. I was an addict. And because of my addiction, I found myself in jail. She said somebody would come over and they would get the ladies and they would bring them over for church from the jail. And it was in that one of those church services that I gave my entire being to God. I tried to hold on as hard as I could, but I let it go. And I give it up to God. She said it was in that moment that I just give it all up, my everything. And I was totally going to trust that he would see me through. She said, I'm clean for over three years now. And there's no turning back. And we just stood and kind of looked at each other. And what she didn't know um, is that she had just took me to church. And I'm going to be real with you for a minute. What she didn't know is she had completely tore down a preconceived notion that I had that, that, you know, with them bringing these people over. And I wasn't even here when that was happening, but I think, sure, I'll go. I'll get out of jail, go have a donut. That'd be good, you know. But... It worked because we were willing to, to step out on faith. She's made new. And this has rocked me literally to the core. And so first thing on my list Monday is I'm calling the jail. We're going to figure out how we can get that going again. And so back to Abraham. By faith, he sacrificed his son. I've heard stories, stories about this church, you know. Uh, it was by faith that this church was started. It was by faith that they moved into this building. Uh, it was by faith uh, that the prisoners came over, that somebody took a chance and went and got them, and I had to stretch your comfort, and it was because of faith, it was by faith, that this girl, this precious child, is now living in freedom. And, and, and I'm not talking about her being out of jail. I'm talking about her being free of the bondage of sin and separation from an eternal God who loves her to the bitter end. She has been set free in a way that a lot of people may never get to, to, to experience. And that's what happens when you walk in faith. I bet the people, and, and there's people in this room that were here at those first meetings. And it wasn't even here. It was in a yard or at, 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 at the course room. Uh, but there was people that were at those meetings uh, that, that, that had a plan, but I bet they never seen this coming out of it. Um, and I bet along the way, you know, getting to today, whenever they looked up, there was a mess. There was some tangles. It was the back of that needle point, you know. But God's making a beautiful picture. Abraham didn't start out with this kind of faith. So don't think you're going to start out here. Uh, if you remember, Jared told us that it was step by step from strength to strength that God grew Abraham. And his first step was simply to go. And then he grew him both in action and intensity. And we can see that in our own life. I mean, I'm glad that 22-year-old that, 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 that Chris don't have to go through the same things that 48-year-old Chris has gone through. Uh, because I'd probably give up. I probably would have just quit and sit down because I don't think I could have handled it. But because of test and God moves me along the way, today I'm ready. That's what our good teacher does. There's teachers in here. 
Right? You give tests. I've heard about them. Right? <laughs> prayer, usually prayer requests, you know. Here we go again, you know. But these teachers, they give tests. Uh, and why do they do that? Are they doing that trying to tear these kids down, trying to rip them up, trying to degrade them? No, they don't do it for that. They do it so that they can see how, that, how, how they're growing and, how, and what to work on. And, and, and they do it to grow these children. That's the same thing our teacher does. He gives us grace and strength to help us along the way. And 48-year-old Chris can look back and I can see God working through problem after problem after problem after problem in my life. And I thank God that he has been there the entire time. So an important thing that I don't want to miss um, is that making it through these things allows us to imitate God. I mean, just hearing that Genesis story uh, and the similarities from that and the life of Jesus is striking. I mean, think about it. Um, uh, the test of faithfulness, they just get harder and harder. Um, trusting in God is the key to it. Uh, a sacrifice that's going to lead to sorrow. And a father that's going to give his only son. And, and, and we see that in this story of Abraham and how he's walking the road that God does. Except for... God doesn't, doesn't find a ram in a thicket. Jesus is the sacrificial lamb. 1 Peter 4.13 says this, Instead, be very glad, for these trials make you partners with Christ in his suffering, so that you will have a wonderful joy of seeing his glory when it's revealed to all the world. We have to recognize that we worship a God who give up his one and only son who he loved. And, and, and he did that for you and for me. The final thing I think we can get from this passage today is that, that when we're put to the test, it exposes what the main thing really is in our life. You ever have a flat? Who you call? You call that one person, Right? You don't call 1,500 Facebook friends. So I wonder, I wonder what's going on with Abraham and Isaac here. Had Isaac become an idol? Had he become an idol to Abraham? I don't know. We're not told that in the scripture. He didn't tell us that. But I see how it could happen. I mean, we tend to associate idols with statues and gold and jewels and those kind of things. And, and when we use that standard of measure, it's really easy for us to say, I don't worship an idol. I'm good. I'm good. But idols come in a lot of different forms. The late financial advisor, Larry Burkett, he used to be on Moody Broadcasting all the time, and I loved listening to him. But he would say this. He said, if you want to find out what's most important to you, all you got to do is look at your calendar and your checkbook. Wherever you spend the most time and the most money, that's going to be it. And there's a lot of truth in that statement. So what is it? Is it your house? Is it your car? Maybe it's your children. Maybe it's your job. Social status, money, education. It could be anything. What is God calling us to lay down today?
you know, just a couple of weeks ago, Adam brought Camille up here. And she stood right here, and she was crying as we prayed. And, 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 and I've watched one of the most pure things that I've ever seen take place right here. I watched somebody come awake in the life of Jesus Christ. And she laid down. She's like, I don't care what people think. I don't care what's happening. I just want God to take over. And we prayed, and she was crying so hard. And when she raised up, her glasses just poured water out. And it was so beautiful because I could just watch a transformation that was taking place in her life and in her heart. Some of us in here today need a Mount Moriah experience. Some of us uh, uh, need to go before God and slay the thing that has captured us. We need to let it go. So that so we need to take it down off its pedestal and put God back up in his rightful place. And, and that's when our lives, our wants, and our needs are going to change. It's back in the very beginning when God created the very first man. And, and in that creation, they literally walked in the garden together. There was this relationship that was just so good and so pure. And, and, and so sin entered in, and it was separated, and that's what separated that relationship. And so that's, we're created to be in that, and that's why we have this emptiness, this void in our life, and we try to heap good deeds or good things or, or whatever into that void, and it will never be filled up. Only Jesus Christ on the cross can fill that void. And, and, and so we try all these things. But it was only Jesus and that, and that sacrifice that we could be reconciled back to God. But, but, but God being in the very nature a giver, like he just gives us. He gives us life. He gives us this. He gives us air. He gives us this, this, this freedom. He gives us Jesus Christ so that whoever believes in him can have eternal life. And for some reason we get in our heads that that eternal life is something that happens when we die. But it's not. It's something that happens right now. And we get to live in it. Remember, he came to give us life in abundance. And it starts today and it lasts forever. Maybe that's you. Maybe you're here and you say, I want that. I want that in my life. I've tried everything else. I've tried to fill up my emptiness with a lot of things. But today, you know exactly what's missing. And you need that, that restorated relationship with God. Jesus didn't come to make bad people good. He came to bring dead people back to life. And so when God called Abraham on that hill, he wasn't, he wasn't wanting Isaac. He was wanting Abraham. And, and today, he wants you. And if that's you, I want to invite you. We're going to be having a baptism right here in just a few minutes. If God's moving in your life, I don't want you to miss a minute. I want you to miss that second, that, that chance uh, uh, to, to completely surrender to him. And I invite you to come right here to make that step of faith, to, to walk into what God is calling you to do. And, and I don't want you to miss this opportunity. So as the praise team comes back, we're going to sing a song. And you have that, that chance to come up uh, uh, and to totally surrender your life to Jesus Christ. And they're going to sing. We're going to say a prayer. 
we'll get Adam up here and Amber. We're going to have a baptism. We're going to celebrate what God is doing in the life of, of our community. Let me pray. Father God, we are thankful um, that, that, that you call us into to this, this, this sacrificial life that we turn over all that we have to you. Um, Father, I pray. I pray for me, me specifically right now, if there's ever anything that, that comes between me and you, that you search my heart, God, um, and you expose that to me in a very real way. Father, I pray that if there's anybody here right now who stands outside of your grace, outside of your mercy, outside of your love, that they don't quit, Father, that they can't sit still until that is restored. And I pray that right now in your most precious and heavenly name. Amen.